This is the Neurosurgery Podcast. Welcome back to the Neurosurgery Podcast. Here we are today live at the CNS meeting in wonderful San Francisco. Very happy to be joined again by uh, two folks who have been on the show before, Ken Crandall and Dr. Charlie Sansour of the University of Maryland, two phenomenal spine surgeons who, uh, as I said, have been on the show before talking about their life, their practice in neurosurgery. And today, uh, we're lucky enough to have them both on together to talk about a very interesting um, pattern within neurosurgery that you see pop up here and there. Um, the, the idea of taking someone who you've trained, who was your trainee, and then as they grow, as they advance in, in career, they become your partner. Uh, Ken, who started his medical training in Florida, my home, at the University of Miami, um, went to University of Maryland for residency, returned to Miami for his spine fellowship with uh, Dr. Wang, where I met him, and is now an attending at Maryland. So he's returned home to his mentor, Dr. Sansur, and we're gonna have them on today to talk about what that whole process is like from each of their perspective, what it's like to grow into a partner with your, your mentor and your former boss, and what it's like to see someone who's been under your tutelage advance, grow, develop into a surgeon in his own right and, and take up that mantle of, of partner rather than just pupil. So Ken, Dr. Sansur, welcome back to the show. Thanks, JP. Appreciate it. It's, it's nice to be back. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, I think this, this topic is, is of particular interest because uh, one of my mentors, uh, Dr. Jane, uh, had always said that a measure of your own success is the success of the people that you train. And that is the ultimate way of, of being motivated to, to give the best possible training to your trainees. And when you see them achieve success and achieve results, it just makes you feel that much better that, that you played a role in that. And it's a measure of your own success. Hmm. So that's, that's, uh, that's what I see in Ken. You know, he uh, is an amazing surgeon. Uh, he uh, has uh, earned the respect of not just all of our peers, but, but uh, most importantly, his patients. Um, I, I, they they uh, uh, have excellent outcomes. I, I see it uh, because I, I know uh, that, they, that they do well. And, uh, and uh, it's really a, it's a great thing to see his practice flourish and to uh, have a, a trusted partner who always has my back and I will always have his back. And it's just a, a mutually beneficial thing. Well, that's wonderful. And I, I look forward to several periods during this conversation of making Ken uncomfortable by saying, <laughs> by saying nice things about him, which, uh, which you know, we, we have nothing but nice things to say from, from both of our sides. But I, I wonder, Maybe we'll start with you, Dr. Sansur. One, to bow to seniority, of course, but two, because you've been at this game longer, and not just the game of neurosurgery and, and the, the career aspect, but the, the interaction between teacher and trainee. And so, I, to my knowledge, I, I don't know if you have any other um, partners right now who trained 
under you, but I would imagine, at least in Ken's case, this is certainly the most recent. And so, but I, I wonder if looking back on your career, can you recall as a resident who your training begins to develop, gets further down the line, at what point in a resident's progress do you start thinking, is this someone I would hire to work with me? I remember in medical school, we always had jokes and we would have our list in our heads of would I refer to that classmate or not, right? Like, would I refer someone to that classmate? Would I let my family see them or would I not touch them with a 10-foot pole? So I wonder if, because I'm, I'm not an attending yet, I don't have trainees yet, but I wonder if at your level, when you're training people, you kind of keep a, a list in your mind of, I'd like to keep that guy, or you know, she would be a good fit here. So is there a point in the training where those thoughts start to occur to you, or is it all organic and different every time? It's a, it's a good question. Um, I would say uh, it, it really, uh, it, it depends on, on the individual, uh, but uh, certainly by the time uh, a person, one of my residents graduates, uh, we, all of our graduates are, are, are residents who are incredibly capable surgeons and experienced uh, clinicians. And I feel comfortable uh, uh, having all of my trainees as partners. Hmm. Um, at what point in time do I make that determination? That may change um, from resident to resident, but by the time that they're finished with their training, um, I can almost universally say that I would be happy to have any one of them as my partner. Um, but some people are, are incredibly gifted and, and I get a sensation early on that they would be uh, somebody that I would love to keep as a partner. Um, and uh, that could be as early as, as, as PGY2 even. Wow. Well, that's a wonderful sentiment. I, and I mean, each time that uh, you both have been on the show and episodes in between, I think Dr. Wang and I have expressed our, our respect and admiration for the program at Maryland. So it's, um, it should be no news to our listeners that you train phenomenal surgeons there. Thank and you. Um, I, I would underscore that if you, you know, if you genuinely have that sense that every person you train you'd be happy to be a partner with, let that be an advertisement to uh, all the medical students out there who are going into interview season now or in the next few years. It, it really is a, a wonderful culture you have among the department as a whole and the residency there. Um, so Ken, I, I guess from the other side of the coin, what was it like for you rising through the ranks at Maryland? At what point did you have that sense of you know, I'm going to train here, I'll graduate, wonderful, but this might be a place I could call home. You don't think the appeal of Baltimore, Maryland is, <laughs> is enough? <laughs> I mean, I, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, that, you know, just kind of gradually comes over time. You know, I didn't, I ended up in Maryland because I matched there, and, you know, it, it turned out to be a really excellent program, and I was, became, uh, you know, passionate about, about the program and, and wanted to, you know, help you know, pay it forward and, and give back to the program and, and train, you know, help, help the people that train me train the next generation of, mm. of neurosurgeons. And, you know, it, when you're looking for a job, you know, it's one of those challenging things because you don't really know what you're looking for quite yet. You haven't determined who you are as, as a neurosurgeon. 
And, you know, that, that comes with time and it comes with talking to other people and finding out about their jobs. And, you know, it's all about kind of trying to find the right fit. And, you know, when, when you're contemplating going back to your home program, um, you know, that trained you. And, and, and like you mentioned, I went away for a year to back to Miami uh, to do the fellowship, um, which I think was very valuable. Um, and we can talk about that a little bit later. But, you know, I think that there's a comfort in like coming home to the place where you trained because mm. you know what you're getting. You know what you're getting yourself into. You know how the department works. You know how you know, the attendings, you know, get along with one another, you know, the residents get along with one another, you can already sort of envision yourself in that environment. And, and, you know, obviously, you have to hopefully like that environment. Right. And I did, you know, I consider, uh, you know, Charlie, uh, to be like family, I consider, you know, my other partners to be like family. And, you know, I've always, I've always told people throughout this whole process, whether it's, you know, interviewing for a residency position or interviewing for a job is, you know, the most important aspect of it is are you going to be happy with the people that you have to deal with on a daily basis? Yeah. Because you have the ability to change and build your practice the way you want to see it fit. And obviously there's certain limitations that may be in place, you know, at, at certain institutions. Um, but people are most important because those are the people that you're going to spend you know, sometimes more time with than your own family. And, and so there's a, there's a big comfort if you feel at home, you know, at one particular place, like where you trained, uh, of going back there. Yeah, it, it's interesting, and, and honestly, I, I guess this could be a conversation in its own right, because it's something I always wonder about, just from the aspect of staying on to work where you trained. Because there's always growing pains, and there's always, you know, I, I think, Anyway, obviously, neither of my esteemed guests on this podcast, but um, everyone makes mistakes when you're young, right? Uh -huh. Everybody makes mistakes that can be trivial or in a field like ours can be catastrophic. Um, commonplace mistakes that the kinds of things that everybody messes up on once, hopefully, can be catastrophic in a field like ours. And so I've always been very interested in what the experience is like coming back as an attending in a place where you made your mistakes, where you had your growing pains, where you had your PGY2 year of screaming at people on the phone, and now they're your esteemed colleagues, right? But I, I suppose that aspect of it is a conversation for another day, but um, to contextualize this in this conversation, I suppose, Dr. Sansur, when you have a resident who you've seen his warts, right? You were present to help him get through that rough patch of junior residency, those misjudgments, the errors of the hand or the mind. How do you translate from the perspective of, I guess it's, it's almost like a parent-child relationship where when your child becomes an adult and you have to transition to accepting, I don't like the decision you're making, but it's your life. How do you do that with a, a young surgeon who's now taking patients back and doing surgeries you might disagree with now, or you would do things a little bit differently. What, what is, what's that, and Ken's grinning, so maybe there's a story there, but what, what's that experience like um, now working side by side with someone who you helped get to where he is well, today? I, I think the important thing to answer that question is the, 
realization that if if you take any case and you take it to a panel of five different neurosurgeons or five different spine surgeons, you'll often get three or four manifestations sure. of how to best treat that patient. So keeping that in mind, there are many different strategies that one can utilize to accomplish a successful outcome. Mm. And while one may have one opinion versus the other, uh, my overall impression uh, is that uh, I trust Ken uh, with his with his judgment. Um, you, we all as surgeons feel that there are things that we may do better in certain in our hands uh, versus uh, other different strategies. Um, and so my overall impression is that if if Ken feels that in his hands one strategy is better than the other, then it makes sense to adopt that strategy, whether or not uh, I am familiar with that strategy or not. Um, so I, I trust, when you want to have a, a person join you as a partner in neurosurgery, uh, it's, it's not just the skill set that you are uh, interested in having as a partner, you're interested in the person's mindset. Mm. Uh, you're interested in the person's values and the person's uh, uh, desire to provide excellent patient care. Uh, the method of delivery of that care may vary, but I know that Ken has the best intents and the best interests, uh, uh, and, and uh, the, the, you know, best intentions, and, and that's really what you're looking for in a partner. Hmm. Well, Ken, at, at that question, you, you laughed a little bit to yourself. Well, I mean, I, I think it's just, I think it's more just thinking about how, um, you know, of course, you know, things happen during residency. You have good days, you have bad days, and, and you grow, and, and you know what? Things, bad things happen when you're an attending as well, and you have hmm. complications and everything. And I was just thinking of the aspect of, you know, perhaps, you know, we all get complications. And when I do have a complication, you know, there's almost like a little bit of a sense of em embarrassment when you're at your home program because, you know, I've known these people for such a long time. And it's almost like you're like disappointing your parents you right. know, or, or something like that's like it's like a, a strange feeling but but there's also comfort in it as well you know because you know that you can call on these people at any time you know i frequently you know i frequently show charlie difficult cases to get his opinions as we all do with our with our partners but you know it's a little bit more meaningful when it's also the person that you trained that trained you and and was your mentor and you looked up to to get their opinion and it's you know our offices are right next to one another and you know, he always gets worried when I call him in because he knows it's going to be something that, <laughs> that, that that's that's going to be super challenging. Um, but you know, also the ability to you know do a case together that that especially early on, you know, when when you're not as as confident as as you are. I'm you know five years into practice now, uh, but but we still occasionally do cases, or I'll call him in to you know look at something because I'm worried about it or, or something like that. So there's you know, another sense and comfort there that I get, you know, more from my, you know, mentor than I, than I do from, you know, even other, other partners that are, that are around, you know, that didn't necessarily train me at some of the other hospitals that I work at. Yeah. Do you think, and, and this 
might be gradually becoming less relevant as you get further and further into your practice. But early on, did you ever feel maybe, I don't know if it's the word, but self-conscious? Like if you were booking a case and doing something that wasn't the Maryland way, per se, did you ever have a sense of hesitancy to do things a certain way or, or, or to, if you made a mistake, did you ever hesitate to bring it up? Uh, no, I never hesitated to bring up a mistake. I, I mean, I think that, yeah, there's a little bit of a hesitancy in doing things differently, but then that's also a benefit. And that's, that's why, you know, I kind of touched on it earlier that going to, fellowship, going to a fellowship at a different location, you know, was really beneficial to me, both as a confidence builder, but also, you know, learning a different way of, of doing things, you know, from, from what I learned, you know, from Charlie and, and my other, you know, mentors in, in residency. And I think that, you know, every surgeon becomes, you know, an amalgamation of all of the people that train them. You know, I do some, I do a lot of things the way Charlie does, but then I have little bits of, you know, Mike Wang and Alan Levy and Barth Green and, you know, other people that trained me. Um, you know, you find the things that you like that everybody does, and then that becomes who you are. And then over your career, then you find new things that, that work or, or, or might be good and, and then add those to, your, to who you are. And, and um, you know, I think that, and then that's beneficial to the residents that you're coming back to train because now they're learning something new that, you know, makes it a little bit different. So, you know, there's, there's advantages and disadvantages of everything. I would have to agree wholeheartedly with what Ken just said. Um, going outside of your home institution to do a fellowship, I think is a great way to expand your horizon and see different techniques and, uh, and bring back techniques. Um, it goes full circle when I see something that my residents are doing and I say, hey, where did you learn this? And they say, oh, I learned this from Ken. <laughs> and and uh, and so then I, I I would say oh well that looks like a good idea maybe I should start doing that too, and and I do, you know so so uh, so it's 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 interesting it's indirect learning because Ken didn't teach it to me directly he taught it to the <laughs> residents right. and then the residents teach me and I and yeah, I yeah, and I yeah, find yeah, the same yeah, thing yeah, like they'll yeah, show me yeah. like something that you're doing now and yeah, I'll be like oh yeah. that's interesting yeah, and then yeah. I incorporate it into my practice so, like the, so the telephone game of yeah. techniques yeah. yeah so it's it's a it's a it's a wonderful uh, exchange and uh, it's a fruitful exchange because I trust Ken and uh, and if there is something that he's doing it's certainly for a reason uh, and it's 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 a good reason well, uh, we need to respect both of your times, but something occurred to me during this conversation that wasn't really an option either of the times that uh, you gentlemen were on the show. Uh, Dr. Sansura, could we get a Ken story? Any, anything from any period, you know, pick junior residency, <laughs> no, no senior <laughs> residency, now as a partner. Um, you know, he's grinning from ear to ear now, so clearly th there has to be some, some good ones. But just a story that is quintessentially Ken, where any of our <laughs> listeners can get a sense of that. This is, this is who this guy is as a person, as a surgeon. As you say, you trust him as a person and his mentality. Uh, give, us, give us a little taste of what it's like working with him. 
that's that's a that's a tough question, uh, JP. I I feel that um, uh, you know there there was a point in time when uh, my mom needed surgery. Okay. And uh, you know I I uh, have two great friends uh, uh, at the university uh, and uh, Ken. And one of my other friends, uh, uh, Steve Ludwig, and uh, I, I, I wanted them both to to do my mom's surgery, and uh, so so she she had that surgery. It was successful, and I owe it I, I owe it to them, you know. And and um, you know I I think I think uh, you know. It, it certainly imposes stress yeah. on, on your friends, uh, uh, but I, I knew they, that they could handle it, and and that decreased my stress. I'll also add that Charlie operated on my brother. Yeah, <laughs> so it goes both ways for the same reasons. Yeah. Well, well, that that's beautiful, and I I can't think of a story to better encapsulate everything we've been talking about that uh, that trust. I would say, in a word, the trust that has clearly developed between the two of you um, as Ken, as you grew to become a partner instead of just a, a student. So it's, uh, it's actually quite beautiful. So thank you both for your time uh, sharing these perspectives, which are not, not unique. These relationships exist th throughout the field, but I think very well represented and, and typified maybe by the two of you sitting here today. Thank you both for coming back yeah, on the show. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks a lot. Disclaimer time. The opinions and ideas expressed in this show are solely those of myself, Dr. Wang, and our guests. They do not represent the opinions of any professional institution or organization. This show is for entertainment purposes only and does not constitute the giving of medical or legal advice. Listening to or participating in this show does not constitute continuing medical education or any other professional certification. It's just a show, everybody.